Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. On today's episode of the ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports on the Believe Podcast Network, we're releasing a conversation that Adam Morrison and I had in January of 2020 for Scorebook Live Washington, where Adam came into our offices and we sat down and talked about all things basketball, whether it was his high school coach, his experiences at Gonzaga, what led him to be an AP player of the year that he shared with JJ Redick of Duke, his time in the NBA, his time around Kobe Bryant, and a lot of what drives him these days. Take a listen. Glad to have you with us. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there is always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network the number one podcast network for professionals. Dan Dickow, Scorebook Live, Washington, in the next installment of High School Legends. This time, Spokane native from Mead High School, class of 2003, Adam Morrison. Adam, um, thanks for joining us. Appreciate you being here today. Absolutely. Appreciate it. You're somebody who, you know, you're known for – um, a tremendous college career. You had a, a, a nice run in the NBA. Um, not a lot of people, though, in the state of Washington know about your high school career, and mm-hmm. a lot of it is because you're tucked away on the east side of the state. Yeah. Um, so we want to get into some of those things, some of your experiences, some of the things that you feel are uh, challenges for high school players these days, some of the great impacts that coaches have had on your career. Okay, cool. Let's do it. So looking at any player that has had success at any level, um, one, they have to believe in themselves, which seeing you play and getting to know you, you had a tremendous belief in you. But you also have to have an opportunity to be around coaches that um, push you, um, that guide you, that trust you, but that you also believe in their message and you trust mm-hmm. them. Uh, getting to know you, your dad was probably your first influential coach um, that you had at a young age. Tell us a little bit about that dynamic and what you've learned from your dad in the game of basketball. Well, uh, backstory, my dad was a college coach, Juco in Montana and Wyoming. Um, You know, so before we moved to Spokane, we moved to Spokane when I was a fourth grader. So what is that? Eight, nine, 10 years old. Um, I was always going to practices with him. I was traveling on the bus. I was always around the game. Um, So, you know, I grew up in a family where I, you know, I, I always tell people I was brainwashed to, to like <laughs> basketball. And I'm sure, you know, you can relate to that a little bit, too. But so growing up, I was always um, had positive influence of basketball. And then he got fired going into my fourth grade year and we moved to Spokane. So it was a blessing in disguise for my fourth to eighth grade years in AU. He coached me. 
and he coached the same way he coached college. So he was really hard. His idol was Bobby Knight. That was his style. <laughs> so um, it was it was hard at times as a child to to separate dad and coach. I mean, a lot of athletes, no matter how far you make it, can relate to that. Um, but looking back, he taught me the right way to play and, you know, um, gave me knowledge that I wouldn't have gotten from, you know, Joe Blow coach off the street. So, yeah, he was the one that kind of morphed my basketball mind the way it is now. And, you know, I'm, I'm thankful for it. But there was some a lot of tears and a lot of <laughs> long car, uh, car rides coming home from, uh, you know, we used to play in Mountain View. People from Spokane understand all the way to the north side. That was a 45-minute car ride. If you had a bad game, it was uh, it was tough. <laughs> so, but, you know, like I said, he taught me everything I know, and, and he was the first one that it kind of installed the, the core basketball knowledge and the core principles in me. So if his coaching uh, mentor or idol would have been Bobby Knight, there's a lot of fiery passion from Bobby Knight. Yeah. You became known as a very fiery, passionate player, mm -hmm. both uh, for people that saw you play in high school as well as in, into the college game. Is that something that he brought out of you because of, uh, you know, the, the maybe not necessarily the focus on winning, but doing things the correct way? Yeah, I think – you know, his style was so, you know, get it done at all costs, kind of. Um, and he was very demanding. You know, he wasn't demeaning or anything. And, and when I say the Bobby Knight, you always go, you know what I mean? <laughs> and he, obviously he's a legend, but, the, you know, the, all, all the other stuff. So he just was a get it done, get it done the right way, play hard every single time, um, and then good things will happen for you. You know, the basketball gods will align. And um, so uh, he just was one of those uh, coaches that, demanded everything out of his players and obviously being his son he demanded the same thing out of me like I said it was tough at times but when I you know became a, a grown man and look back um, I'm going to coach my son the same way you know because it just gave me core principles that applied to life as well um, of you know showing up on time doing the extra work listening to all your coaches things of that nature it really helped me so he was the first one that really pushed me in the right direction I want to skip over your high school coach, Glenn Williams. We'll come okay. back to him in a minute. But um, you played for Coach Mark Few, who yeah. is going to be, in my opinion, in the, in the Hall of Fame at yeah. some point. Tremendous college coach. But you also played for a tremendous professional coach in the NBA, Phil Jackson. Yep. So two guys that are kind of at the pinnacle uh, of their professions and yep. coaching at their levels. Touch on both of those guys, their strengths as a coach and their approach to the game of basketball. Well, I think with Phil – and, you know, I was two years with the Lakers, and I think the biggest thing I took away was his ability to manage. And, you know, he w it's not like he wasn't a great X's and old guys, but the triangle was pretty self-explanatory. You know, you throw it in and you make certain cuts, you throw it to your best player at the elbow or at the block, and you get out of the way. And he was really good at managing personalities and understanding that, you know, in L.A. there's already pressure. So as a coach, I mean, I'm not going to put more pressure on the guys that's unwarranted because everybody in the room knew, you know, at the team we had, we won two straight championships. They already knew the pressure was there, right? Because it was such a great roster. So I learned from him is let guys be themselves, um, you know, get on them when it's necessary, but also bring joy to the locker room, bring joy and bring laughter to everyday practices. I mean, we, there, I have countless stories of him 
I mean, during the during the playoffs, we would watch film, but he would dub a movie in the film. So you'd watch a movie throughout the series of the playoffs, right? It's kind of yeah. different. Yeah. Or he'd have the the film guys like if there was a funny thing on late night TV that applied to our team, he would dub it in there, right? There was a, a funny Kardashian thing with Lamar when he was <laughs> things like yeah, that, but yeah. it made everybody laugh. And um, you know, he did funny things like if you were late to the bus i was late one time like two minutes he called them silly fines like he some coaches be like oh my god you're late yeah charge you a 100 bucks and then he let it the pot grow and then we'd all shoot for it that stuff's fun you yeah. know what i mean it keeps it keeps it light so i learned from him is you can still be demanding as a coach but you got to let guys enjoy themselves because you got to play with joy especially at the professional level because everybody knows the pressures of it um and then going to coach few opposite style you know, not as opposite as like Pat Riley to, to, to Phil Jackson, but Coach Few was get it done. I don't have to be your friend. I'll respect you um, and I'll let you do your thing as long as you meet certain requirements. And you can relate mm -hmm. to that. Obviously, you played there and had a great career. Um, so um, I learned a lot from both. Uh, you know, Coach Few now is such a better coach than he was yeah. when we were there. I mean, that's not a knock on him. Obviously, his, his record speaks for himself, but. Um, just the way he manages guys now, he's a little bit less uh, demanding. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. A little bit, a little bit sh less stronger or whatever, however you want to put it. So he's done a, a fantastic job of evolving. Um, you know, and I've told people, I'm like, look at the offense they run now. It's space the floor. It's cutting. We used to run flex. You know what I mean? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you know what I mean? The floor <laughs> used to be jammed. You and I would have to hit fadeaways over everybody's face. Now these guys have space. They move the ball. Their rotations are better. Like substitution patterns are better. Um, you know, obviously he's he's better X and O's uh, wise on the fly. Um, so I'm lucky. You know, I played for Phil Jackson, Mark Few, Larry Brown for seasons in the Hall of Fame as well. So I I've been lucky enough to kind of take the good out of some of those coaches and apply it. You know, I'm just a sixth grade basketball coach for my daughter's <laughs> team, but I try to apply those things and it, it's, it's fun. You might be the, the most qualified sixth grade girls hey, basketball coach in the state of Washington. It's fun, I love it. You know, but when you talk about, you know, all these other great coaches mm -hmm. and you've learned some things, I've always been so impressed with somebody who has a heart to coach a high school basketball yep. program. Um, because you're typically coaching guys and girls in their formative years. Mm -hmm. um, many times they're not ready to understand expectations or play to expectations, and they're trying to, to figure out um, how you fit into a team setting yep. for the betterment of a team. Um, you played for Coach Glenn Williams, who I think did a really nice job this year at Mead. He's got that yes. program going back in, in a positive direction. Absolutely. Um, but he's been there for a long time, mm -hmm. and he's coached uh, a, a number of groups, successful, not so successful, mm -hmm. kind of middle of the pack. When you look at your experience uh, playing for Glenn, what was it? And then you went back when you were done playing yeah. and coached with him for a little bit. So you've seen both sides of, of Glenn. Yeah. So when I first the, – the Glenn's told this story. Um, you know, I talked about the emotion of playing with my dad. And so I grew up with uh, – both of Glenn's sons, Eric, who was a year above me, and then Brian, who was my point guard, who played at Whitworth, so a very good high school player and obviously a good basketball player. He played four years, started at a really good Division three program. Um, and Glenn always tells the story is he was sitting up in the stands at an AU game, 
and I just moved to town, and I was playing against Brian's team, and I was very emotional and blah, blah, blah. And he goes, man, somebody's going to have a hard time coaching that kid. <laughs> I ended up moving to the district, and, and, you know, we had two really good seasons there. Um, but Glenn was fantastic in the sense that, you know, a lot of times, this is my opinion, some high school coaches fall in love, especially basketball-wise. All right, that kid's tall. You belong in the post. I was 6'4", 6'5", 6'6", at the time. He was smart enough to say, okay, he's a perimeter player. I'm going to let him play on the outside. I'm going to let him take shots that normally other kids are not allowed to take and miss some of those, but uh, it helped me grow confidence. And then I think my freshman year, what he did a fantastic job of, at Mead at the time, you could either play varsity or you couldn't play JV or freshman. I could have played varsity, but I probably would have rode the bench, not played much. He kept that freshman group together. We went 19-0. Later that class went to the state final. So he understood that, um, you know, as a young player, sometimes you have to learn how to dominate games. And if that means you play JV or you play freshman for a season, you get time, you get confidence, you learn how to score, things of that nature. You learn how to lead. Um, that's what he was really good at. And then he was good at, um, you know, at the time we played, we didn't have shot clock still. So we pressed the whole game. Like, uh, schematically, he was really good as well for a high school coach. So, I, you know, I'm always thankful that uh, I, I was lucky enough to have a high school coach like that. I really was because he prepared me for the next level. He listened, you know, to, he knew my dad was a college coach, so he listened to kind of what, hey, Adam can do this. He can come off screens. But my dad wasn't like, hey, you need to run this sure. stuff. But, like, that's sometimes egos get in the way. And he was smart enough to go, okay, what what is good for us Adam as well in the team and you know we had a lot of success uh, this my junior year we went to state first time in years and then my my senior year we go to the state final almost go undefeated now he also has played an influential role of getting you back into the game of basketball Absolutely. when you're done in the NBA mm -hmm. uh, a lot of players you know you just want to take a time away from the game yep. it's been such a big part um, he brought you back, and you were a volunteer assistant yep. for a couple of years under Glenn. What was that like? It was it was awesome. Uh, you know, at the time, you know, I didn't want to be around basketball. I didn't watch basketball. So, you know, he could kind of tell I was hurting a little bit emotionally. So he said, hey, why don't you come in and just come in whenever you want, help these kids out. You'll, uh, you know, you'll get enjoyment out of it. We want to pick your brain on certain things. And that really, you know, I said it in my uh, my GU speech that it really helped the healing of basketball for me. Um, so it was a really cool experience too to to play for a guy, then go back with a different mindset. You know, sure. you know how it is. You're a grown man now, and to see how he coaches because he's a very shirt off your back kind of person, and to see that other side of it because you don't you do realize you feel the love, but when you get when you're a young kid, you don't mm -hmm. fully grasp it. And like you said, what high school co coaches do. You know, they don't get paid very much. They're doing it a lot of times for the love of the kids and just the love of the sport. Um, it was fantastic, and uh, he's done so much for me, you know, behind the scenes and just bringing back basketball into my life. And then his son, Brian, who I mentioned earlier, is an assistant, so it was cool to work with him again. And um, I just had an outside view. You know, I helped, but I was just kind of on the periphery. I kind of just helped the kids okay, this is what you need to do. Glenn already knew, knows X's and O's and stuff of that nature. So it was it was fantastic. And uh, if my daughter wasn't playing, I'd still be doing it. But, uh, you know, time's an essence now. You Absolutely. Yeah. Like I said, you're the best sixth-grade coach it's fun. Uh, in the area, which absolutely is, 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 a, is, a, is a benefit and a positive to this community. 
One of the things that in the state of Washington, everybody tends to gravitate towards knowing um, the West Side teams, and yeah. rightfully so. They're really good. Yeah. This year, you've got a number of, of Division One uh, signees, some other prospects, uh, and the teams are really good. Mm -hmm. What was your pathway from the GSL to be able to be recruited and go play at Gonzaga? And I know you've talked about it a number of times, but, you know, Guys that um, from the GSL sometimes are overlooked. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you don't have the opportunities. Tell us a little bit about your experience navigating getting to college. Well, so I played for Eastern Washington Elite, and that's a you know a pretty decent sized AU program that has name recognition in the state. Um, but we were the first year that did it, so um, we were kind of just a ragtag tag group of uh, local kids and we had a couple montana kids come in and um we went to all the big tournaments we went to vegas we went to the one in la and then we did all the local ones and my recruiting process was odd because um you know at the time going after going into my junior season you know i really blossomed i was, I was you know starting to fill out and, and you know i'm skinny now but i was starting <laughs> to starting to you know mature as, as a human being and um you know, it. I didn't have all the pub, but people around town knew that I was a good player. And then, you know, recruiting-wise, I was a type. I'm type one diabetic, so a lot of teams were scared. And so my recruiting process is a little bit different. I didn't have the the onslaught of letters or anything like that. I mean, I broke the scoring record my junior year, then I shattered it my own record my senior year. But I had one Division one offer from Gonzaga. So when I talk to people about the recruiting process, I'm like, look, I'm kind of green as you are, yeah. right? Because I don't understand um, what it's like to have coaches constantly at your high school, coaches constantly calling your phone. It was, hey, Coach Feud, do you like this kid? And they knew my dad from the past, from the JUCO routes. So he had a relationship with him, and he was like, hey, he's 6'3", six, 6'4", six, now he's probably going to be 6'7", six, 6'8", six, he's a late bloomer. And so they kind of rolled the dice. Um, so recruiting-wise... I always tell people, just make sure you're good enough. And I know that sounds simple, mm -hmm. but if you just make sure you're good enough, cream always rises to the top, and the right people will find you if you are just good enough. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Tremendous words, because I think in this day and age, too many parents and players get focused in on the rankings Absolutely. as opposed to being ready for when an opportunity I was the seventh-rated wing on the West Coast by the time after my senior year, I averaged 28 29 points a game we go undefeated and lose in the state championship and i was still the seventh rated wing on the west coast now in the state of washington i think i was probably second behind brandon roy um and so you know i always tell people like yes you want the exposure with your aau program but also you want to be you want to go somewhere where you play okay mm -hmm. that's first and foremost and if you have the skill and the ability people will find you and so I think a lot of times parents and coaches at a young age, and I, it comes from a place of they want their kids to be successful, but you can't get caught up with who you're playing with all the time. If you, as long as you're going to these tournaments and you're putting in the time, putting the work, and then you dominate, you have to dominate your league. You know, that's just mm -hmm. be real. Like a, a lot of times you get these parents and, and God bless them, but they'll be like, well, how come nobody's looking at my, my kid? And I'll be like, well, he's averaging 14 points as a senior. Right, he's yeah. not Division One talent. It's nothing against him. He could probably go play somewhere else, but you have to 
to, to be a Division One athlete, you understand this. You mm-hmm. dominated your high school league, I'm sure, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just how it is. So it's it's interesting when you have those conversations yeah. with your parents because they seem a little shocked, but it's like, hey, you'll know right away. You know, Anton Watson from Gonzaga Prep dominated. Yeah, Dagan Hart this year at Mount Spokane dominates. Um, they stand out. They're Division One players. Well, and a big part is um, is the fact that find the right level for you Go where at you the can college play. level yep. for enjoyment. If it's exactly. all about the, being Division One exactly. and you're okay, maybe sitting on the bench or having a, a bit role at the end of your career, mm-hmm. that's great. But what do you really want out of your college career? My dad used to always say, and it's so true, go where you can play. And so when we were going through the recruiting process, at first I was probably slated as a Division Two player. I was slow. You know, the t- like I said, the type 1 diabetes scared a lot of people. He was always like, I don't care where you play. Like, as, you, as long as you get a scholarship and you get free school, <laughs> we're happy. Yeah. Like, we're in a good spot. And, obviously, I, I matured and got better as a player. Um, so, Gonzaga came into the fold. But a lot of times people get caught up in, you know, I need to go to Power 5 or I'm not going to, you know, I'm not getting recruited by Kentucky or whatever. It's like you can still get a lot of enjoyment from playing at a smaller college. I have buddy, like I mentioned, Brian Williams played – Division three, we had a kid, Justin Dobson, who played at Mead, played four years at Hawaii Hilo. Loved it. I mean, he got to go to mm-hmm. school for free in Hawaii and started four years, and I think they made the NCAA tournament twice for Division two. Like, what's wrong with that? Uh, great uh, you, experience. It's a great experience. So you can't fall in love with where you're going or the level. Go where you can enjoy it and get some, you know, something back from the game when you finish. You mentioned the word great experience, and that's – I had a great experience my senior year in high mm-hmm. school getting to the state tournament. Unfortunately, we lost in the semifinals. But 2003, your state tournament and that final itself, mm-hmm. I still occasionally talk to people on the west side, and they say that might be the best state tournament championship game they've ever seen. It's pretty good. Walk me through that mm-hmm. game, some of the things you remember, and any details of the day. Well, leading up to that game – we beat uh, Lincoln in the semis, and they won it two years in a row before that, and they beat Ferris, Sean Mallon, who's you know a local kid as well. And so there was a little bit of uneasiness because we're undefeated going into that season, and you know a lot of people on the west side were like, is this Mead team really any that good? You know, uh, GSL, is it really that good? You always hear those questions, and rightfully so from the other side of the state, and the coverage is not as, as big. Um, so we beat Lincoln. Um, I have a really good game. My buddy Justin Dobson goes, I think, 11 for 11, scores 26. So, like, <laughs> me and him carried, and we yeah. just we just shock him, basically, even though we were undefeated. So we get to that final game, and it's Aaron Brooks, who played in the NBA, I think, 10-plus years, played at Oregon, fantastic player. And we just had an individual battle that was uh, fun to watch for people. Uh, it was one of those games where I couldn't miss, he couldn't miss. Um, and they just edged us out at the end. But uh, it was one of the, the the better basketball moments of my career. Even though we lost, just that brotherhood of that whole season was fantastic. Um, a lot of tears shed in that locker room afterwards because it was that dream of going undefeated was kind of taken away from us, it felt like. Yes. But, uh, you know, I, I still keep in contact with a lot of those guys. And it's a lot of great memories for those guys too. Even though their careers ended at that night, you know, they still talk about like, man, remember how fun 03 was and, you know, we have great memories. It's awesome. Yeah, it's uh, glad to bring back those memories uh, because the state tournaments occur in this week over mm-hmm. in Tacoma and Yakima and here in Spokane. So um, I'm sure lots of kids will be creating their own memories this week. Uh, hey, 
maybe this is not the right thing to say, but I think I get it out of the dome, in my opinion. They got to go to the key arena or something. I think it, the atmosphere is it's too big. Um, that's just my opinion on it. I know you guys cover yeah. it, and I probably should <laughs> say that, but I think I think it needs to be in smaller arenas because the atmosphere needs to be a little bit tighter. And I understand logistics. I don't know the whole aspect of that, but I wish they would do it at Key, or you could even do it at McCarthy. You could do it at Spokane Arena, just where it's smaller atmosphere, so it feels a little better. Well, I've had I've had a thought um, that I think would be tremendous. They call Spokane Hoops Town USA. Mm-hmm would be have all state tournaments here in Spokane the same week. People you've got would. Eastern Washington, you've got Whitworth, you've got McCarthy Athletic Center, you've got the Kennel yeah. on campus. If you need the Spokane Arena, Lewis and Clark High School. You could go to the Falls. Falls is a decent gym as well. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I totally agree. That'd be fantastic. And the, the I think the area would really support it. So that's a good idea. I want yeah, you to pitch it. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe that'll be a business venture <laughs> for we us go. together. So um, you're a guy who went on and played a, a number of years in the nba Mm -hmm. um you want to unfortunately like a lot of guys had an injury early that kind of uh kind of put a wrench in in some some hopeful career paths is there anything that stands out about your nba career whether it's um a particular game or a Mm -hmm. coach's message and experience well i think you know i experienced you know uh a really good organization in Los Angeles than I experienced not a bad organization, a young organization with young players in Charlotte. So for me at Charlotte, at first I didn't know any better. And, you know, we didn't have bad guys, but the locker room wasn't as tight as I was used to being, being at Gonzaga and Mead. And so when I went from that and then went to L.A. where it was tight-knit, obviously to win a championship you got to be together and it's got to be a one one primary focus. Um, it, was, uh, it was pretty interesting to go from that uh, from Charlotte to LA and see the differences of how they do things. Um, and then the relationships you form are, are, are special. I still keep in contact with a few number of guys that I played with. Um, you know, the opportunities that you get to be a professional athlete and you can attest to this are priceless. I mean, you meet people that you would have never had the opportunity to meet business wise, celebrities, things of that nature. I got some stories that I can't tell on ca- on camera <laughs> that are fun, you know, just yeah. good fun stories of meeting people that I would have never had the opportunity to meet. So, uh, yeah, uh, you know, like I said, the ACL didn't, didn't, didn't help my uh, cause, but I'm, I'm grateful that I had, you know, where I came from. Um, I'm the second type one diabetic to play in the NBA. Chris Dudley was the first. Um, and I take pride in that. And, uh, yeah, it didn't go is exactly like I planned, but I don't look back on it with bitterness or disdain or anything like that. It, uh, I was afforded many opportunities yeah. that people don't get. Yeah, and just to get to that point is, oh, yeah. as you know, so unbelievably difficult. Yep. And to sixty to guys play. a year that get drafted. That's it. Sixty new guys a mm-hmm. year, and sixty guys are out every yep. single year, which is the hard thing that people don't understand. Exactly. Sixty new jobs, but sixty are going out as well. Yep. You mentioned locker rooms and, and relationships. Um, uh, unfortunately, there's been a lot of uh, attention on one of your former teammates mm-hmm. um, due to the, the, the tragic news with Kobe Bryant mm-hmm. in the helicopter crash uh, a few weeks back. I know you got to know Kobe. You were friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, you competed against him in practice. You had each other's backs as teammates. What stands out about Kobe Bryant, the player, and then Kobe Bryant, the person? Well, the player was everything that everybody has talked about is the mentality was completely true. Um, I've seen him numerous times when he was, you know, he'd have a game and then he'd, we'd have back-to-backs and I would come in and shoot at eight o'clock. It's still early, but it's not crazy. 
and he'd be getting done with a workout. He'd be in the gym at like 5.30, get home at 2 o'clock, be in the gym at 5.30. He was one of those guys, the special few that we all wish we could bottle, but he had endless energy. And he had uh, almost a psychotic drive to be successful. And, you know, at first people, it rubbed people the wrong way, but he was just trying to win games. And if you're a competitor at any level, you want people in the foxhole with you that are like that, and that's what he was. Um, I always tell people, too, he was a self-made player. A lot of people assume when you get to the NBA, and you've played with guys that, you know, whatever being you want to say, said, congratulations, you got all the talent in the world. Yeah. They have no idea how to work hard. They don't understand the game, and you're just like, man, if I could have that ability. <laughs> he was he had that, but he, he worked at his craft every single day and I saw it I mean he was almost OCD with pivoting with dribbling the year he broke his finger his knuckle he learned to shoot off his middle finger I mean during the season he didn't miss a game I mean it was unbelievable um, how tough and prepared he was I mean he was the toughest guy I ever played with by far um, he would, would not relent in practice he was a trash talker but he made he brought the level up for everybody else and to win championships or to be on you know special clubs your best player has to be that guy mm-hmm. and uh he was exactly that and then as a person he was uh fantastic he was a little bit aloof at first but if you really got to know him he was uh somebody that could sense if you were struggling or he knew what he meant to other people and that's a, a sometimes great people don't understand that so he knew when he could touch somebody's life or make their day which is who he was um that's why at his you know I, I was fortunate enough to get invited to his his ceremony in LA there were so many people there that he, like he touched their lives and they did a fantastic job at that ceremony by the way because it was it was sad obviously but it was more joyous and the vibe in the building was more joyous than it it is at other memorials um, so, you know, I was just thankful that I had the opportunity to be around him and experience, you know, a savant. You don't get to meet people like that. You don't get to meet, meet geniuses. You don't get to meet people who are, are driven to be successful in every aspect of their lives. And I'm just lucky I was around that. I mean, honestly, he I stayed in contact with him even after I was done playing. I was lucky enough to be at a 60-point game. Um, he was cool as heck to me then, too. He uh, he was just a good dude, man. He really was. Um, a little bit different, though. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, and that different is not bad. I, I, a lot of times people, when they hear different, they think it's there's negative connotation to it. It's not. He was just so driven that if you worked hard and you competed, he loved you. If you didn't, then he, then he wasn't very <laughs> nice. And that's just the honest yeah. truth. And so – you know, no matter, I was the last guy on the bench. He treated me with full respect because I played hard in practice every day and I showed up to, to work and I tried to challenge people. Had no problem with me. You know what I mean? If you were lazy, then he'd have a problem with you. So, like I said, it, I was just uh, really fortunate to be around somebody like that. The only, you know, savants and, and geniuses don't come around very often. So I'm thankful for the time I had with him. Well, Adam, we appreciate your time yeah. sharing uh, some of your experiences as a youth basketball player, uh, as a high school, college, and pro. Uh, we really appreciate the support of Scorebook Live, yeah. and uh, hopefully we'll do this again sometime. Yeah, absolutely, man. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you. For Scorebook Live Washington, that's Adam Morrison. I'm Dan Dickow.
The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.